Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment. but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. It's your favorite tennis girl, Aldwin, here, and I am flying solo. My podcast partner in crime, Jason, is on a much-deserved vacation with his husband, Wade, in Italy. I checked in on their socials, and it looks like they're having a great time. They posted a couple of really cute pics of themselves in the Piazza San Marco. In my mind, they're enjoying all of the Italian sausage, whether at the restaurant or on Grindr, whatever floats their boat. I was going to say, Jay, if you're listening to me, Matteo Berrettini, who just had surgery on his right hand, is probably flying back to Italy as we speak. So I think that you should just pay him a visit and, you know, help him heal. Give him that gentle touch that I know you can give him. Okay. Anyway, I miss you. I don't know how you did this while I was away. It is a huge undertaking, but I cannot wait to have you back and for us to get back into the swing of things next week. This week's episode, y'all, you don't even know, it is more packed than the dollars that the drag queens at Palace Bar on Friday night are putting in their bras and panties. There are so many things for us to cover, but I picked out a couple of topics that I think are, you know, important for us to discuss. Obviously, we're going to talk about the men's and ladies' draws in Miami. We're going to splash a little bit of the Emma Raducanu controversy and how two WTA legends kind of shaded her one directly and the other one more indirectly we're definitely going to talk about Jensen Brooksby and his tantrum that he threw in his second round match and I could not think of a better way to start this episode than with the goat herself Serena Williams and her sister Venus not quite the goat but you know almost up there and their presence at the Oscars on Sunday night girl it's gonna get lit stay tuned Hey, this is Jeannie Bouchard, and you're listening to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. Did you all actually watch the Oscars on Sunday night, or did you just put the Will Smith WWE-style smackdown, Jason, I know you're laughing right now, that he gave to Chris Rock on heavy repeat? (laughs) I mean, unfortunately, that situation took away from what should have been Venus and Serena Williams' night. They were there to support their film, King Richard, Side note, why do they not call it Princess Serena and Princess Venus? Obviously, they're the ones with the accolades, but anyway, I digress. They were there to support their film, King Richard, that snagged five Academy Award nominations. And can I tell all of you, the moment that Venus and Serena Williams stepped onto that red carpet, Venus in that custom Elisab stunning gown, and Serena in that gorgeous and radiant Gucci frock, All of the dragging that Jason and I have done on them over the past year and a half for them not getting their heads back in the tennis game literally disappeared. Sunday night was truly about reverence, was truly about acknowledging what kind of legacies they have left in the sport of tennis and also the contribution that they have made 
to women in sport in general. And all of the time that they have spent away from the court, girl, we can forgive you. So we love you, Venus and Serena. You guys look bomb.com. Serena, get to 24. We still want that. Now, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick. Those of you that watched the beginning of the show know that Beyonce performed the title track from the film called Be Alive. Sorry, the title track is called Be Alive from the film King Richard in the opening credits of the Oscars. And they set the stage in Compton, California, where the girls famously grew up. And literally everything about that video was shot in kind of this chartreuse green. Now, the reason why I have a little bit of a beef is because those of you that have followed our podcast from the jump know that Ready Play Tennis podcasts have two iconic colors. We use that burnt orange that Jason and I are wearing in our animation. And the color of the tennis balls in our mouth is, and I have this because I have it on record, hashtag color B2DA28. So I guess it's kind of copyrighted. (laughs) Maybe it isn't. But Beyonce simply chose that color and we're just waiting for a check. We're waiting for our royalty check. Jason and I have some GLTA tournaments to be playing later this year. And girl, our bank accounts are not looking cute. So Beyonce, I'm going to send you our address. Send that royalty check. We're waiting. All right, let's get right into it. Ladies draw Miami 2022. Now, even before one ball was struck, there were unfortunately some withdrawals that were notable. We had Mugu out with a shoulder injury, Von Drusova and Georgie were out, Simona Halep, who did phenomenally well at Indian Wells the week before, out with a leg injury. Can I tell you all the immediate thought that came to my mind? Ladies, your girl Ash Barty just announced retirement from tennis at the top of her game. Why don't you pull your funds together, send over a cute little private jet situation, Get Ash to Miami and send her into retirement batty patty style. That was my poor attempt at an Australian action, if you couldn't tell. Anyway, um, yeah, send her into retirement batty party style. I mean, you could order that Patron, get that Ciroc. Actually, don't get that Ciroc. That's not premium. Get that Grey Goose. I mean, Mugu, we know that you like to party. There are a bunch of cute little gay clubs that are on the strip. You could order a booth. Send her into retirement the way that Ash deserves. Literally, that was the vision fantasy that I had in my head for the last week. And Russell, I know you're at home in Montreal listening to this. Russell, for those of you that don't know, is the biggest Camila Georgie fan. And I can hear him say right now, Aldwin, girl, please, you know that Camila would not be part of that crew. And I can tell you he is not wrong. Anyway, I'm digressing a little bit. Let's get back to the tennis. We almost, actually, we do have the semifinal set. In the top half, we have Belinda Bencic versus Naomi Osaka. More on Naomi Osaka a little later in the show. In the top half, we have just completed our quarterfinal matches. Pegula advances over Bedosa. Unfortunately, Bedosa had to retire due to illness. And Sviantek, who seemed to have been embroiled in a pretty hefty battle against Grand Slam winner Kvitova, ended up winning that in straight sets. And let me check the score, 6-3, 6-3. 
Two ladies that I want to quickly highlight that I believe are going to inevitably meet in the final are your girl Naomi Osaka and the new ladies world number one Iga Swiatek. Now, Naomi Osaka at this point last year was the Australian Open champion. She was in Miami. She has gone on record and said that when she was in Miami last year, she felt like it was her duty to be winning basically because she had just won a Grand Slam title, so she was putting all of this pressure on herself, which possibly might have led to her taking some time off for her mental health. And this time around, Miami 2022, in many of her press conferences, she's talking about how she's looking at tennis now through the lens of gratitude. You could actually kind of see it in her match against Danielle Collins. I mean, whenever you're facing Danielle, expect to have a bunch of winners whiz past you. Now, I believe the old Naomi would have, you know, if the camera panned to her face, looked like, what is happening right now? I should be getting to every ball. But what is so refreshing to me is seeing Naomi laugh it off. You can tell that she has a new sense of levity, not taking things so seriously. And clearly in her matches against Sharma, I mean, Mukova was a walkover, but Kerber, which was supposed to be a really tough match, and against Allison Risk, this new kind of light and fresh attitude is really doing wonders for her. So my expectation, <laughs> even though she's been talking about like not putting any expectations on herself, but my expectation is to see Naomi in the final. Let's move on to Iga. Guys, Iga Sviantek is literally living up to her new number one world ranking. I mean, this girl is on fire, winning a couple of tournaments at the beginning of the year, having just won Indian Wells, and now in her last four matches, I mean, she beat Golubic, Brengel, and Goff. Coco Goff, again, supposed to have been a difficult match. And in those first three matches, only lost nine games. Kvitova, she beat three and three. So over four matches, what is that, 15 games? That is crazy. I mean, her forehand is still on fire. And in my mind, she's really the one to beat. Like, Iga should, could be the girl, could be the woman to take the sunshine double since Vika Azarenka did it in 2016. So my bet is on an Osaka, Sviantek, Miami. Welcome to Miami final. You know who's not playing well? <laughs> it, it pains me to even say that. U.S. Open champion Emma Raducanu. Now, last year, we saw Emma literally come out of left field. That's like a baseball analogy. I can't believe I used a baseball analogy. Uh, she came out of left field. She won three qualifying matches, won seven main draw matches, beat our girl Leila Annie Fernandez in the final, an all-teen final, to claim her maiden Grand Slam title. Now you can imagine, as a teenager winning and accomplishing such an accolade so early in your career, the kind of pressure that maybe you would put on yourself to continue to do well, and the kind of pressure that the tennis public at large is putting on you. And to be honest, it seems like she hasn't dealt with the pressure very well. I mean, we we, Jason and I, have talked about her weird split with the coach that took her to the U.S. Open title right after she won, and her record has not been the best. I mean, literally, she's only won four WTA Tour matches since her U.S. Open win. Now, all of this to say that a couple of WTA legends have chimed in, maybe have thrown a little light shade her way, 
in discussing Emma Raducanu's poor performance, and we'll start with Kim Kleisters. Now, Kim herself, a multiple Grand Slam winner, doesn't actually mention Emma Raducanu in this quote, but a lot of media outlets, particularly with the news that Emma Raducanu has recently picked up Porsche as a sponsor, kind of connected the dots and, I mean, see for yourself. This is what Kim had to say about women in tennis attaining the top level of their game. Quote, We've seen others that kind of take a step back and say, Oh, I've won a slam now. I've made it. There are sponsors coming in and I get treated like a princess wherever I go. Just because you're the number one player and have won slams doesn't mean you should treat other people differently. End quote. Now she goes on to talk about Ash Barty, um, obviously who has recently retired and talked about her work ethic and the way that she treated people. And she says, quote, I feel like Ash Barty did that amazingly. And I think Iga has that focus as well. There's still a lot of respect for the other people around her, end quote. Now, you can decide for yourselves. As I mentioned before, Emma literally just picked up Porsche as her new sponsor. So there could be a little light shade thrown her way and maybe a call from Kim to be like, girl, you're a Grand Slam winner. Let's put the focus back on the court and not behind the wheel. The other WTA legend, and as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about Russell. Russell, this show is obviously for you. The other WTA legend that had something to say about Emma Raducanu's play is none other than Daniela Hantukova. Uh, Not a Grand Slam winner, I have to say, but multiple tour winner when she was playing. She is now a tennis commentator, and this is what she had to say specifically about Emma. She says, quote, But the thing is now with Emma, everyone wants to beat her. Everyone is trying to figure out how to play against her. All the locker room respect she had after the U.S. Open is now kind of going away, which is a shame. End quote. Now, I don't see anything particularly wrong with what Daniela said. I think all of it is true. Listen, if you're going, if you have had won, just had won a Grand Slam title, obviously other players want to stack up against you they want to know how they measure up against you so you do have this big target on your back maybe it's a bit of you know what kim was saying in terms of like okay emma we get that you now have won a grand slam title there's obviously a lot of pressure on your back to um produce so maybe let's have a little bit more focus on the court let me tell you emma raducanu did not stay silent she whether she's re- she was responding specifically to what Daniela and Kim had to say, this is what she said to the press in terms of the perception that she doesn't have her tennis head completely in the game. She says, quote, Maybe you just see on the news or on social media me signing this or that deal, and I feel like it's quite misleading because I'm doing five, six hours a day of training. I'm at the club for 12 hours a day. But I throw out one post in the car on the way to practice and all of a sudden it's I don't focus on tennis. I think that's unfair, but it's something that I've learned to deal with and become a bit more insensitive to the outside noise. At the end of the day, I feel like my days with sponsors are pretty limited. I'm not doing crazy days. I'm doing three, four days every quarter. So it's really not that much. End quote. What do you all think? Do you think that Emma could be doing a little bit more 
on the court in terms of her training, her mental preparedness to kind of live up to the expectation of being a Grand Slam winner? Or do you think that we're just making a big fuss out of nothing and let her get those Dior bags and let her get those cute new Porsches? Let us know. Okay, let's transition over to the men's side. In tomorrow's matches, we have the top half of the draw in play. We have number one seed Daniil Medvedev taking on last year's winner, Hubi Hercash. And in the other quarterfinal, we have... Should I say it? Okay, I'm going to debut now my new ATP Tour boyfriend. We have Carlos Alcaraz Garfia taking on Ketsmanovic. Now, a little bit more on my new boyfriend later in the show. Suffice it to say that yesterday's match against my ex-boyfriend Pass was a little awkward. I mean, you know, it's never a cute situation when you have two guys kind of fighting over you. But hey, what can you do when you're me? Um, a little message to Steph. Steph, listen, what we had was really cute. I will cherish those memories forever. But, you know, sliding into my DMs every three seconds asking me if I'm happy with Carlos, it's a bit much. Okay, babe? So, like, let's just cool our jets a little bit, okay? Anyway, back to the tennis. Uh, tonight, we have two quarterfinal matches in play. We have one confirmed semifinalist. We have Francisco Sorondolo, Argentine player, career high world number 76. He didn't really take out Yannick Sinner. Sinner actually had to withdraw with some crazy-ass blisters on his feet. So congrats to Sorondolo on this achievement. And in the other quarterfinal, we have Casper Ruud looking cute as hell in that highlighter yellow Yonix kit against Zverev. All right, just like on the women's side, I wanted to highlight a couple of male players that have just been on fire. Now, truth be told, I really had Yannick Sinner in this group of men. And until today, when he unfortunately had to withdraw with blisters on his feet, he was going to be my man of the hour, the one that I'm choosing to kind of win the whole damn thing. I mean, if you take a look at his tournament, he beats Roos Vori in the first round, saves five match points against Carino Busta in the following round. I watched that at the gym, girl. I saw Carino Busta go up 5-2, and I was like, okay, let me just do my legs now, because there's no way in hell that Yannick Sinner is going to come back from 2-5 down against the literal backboard of the entire ATP Tour, Karina Busta. But she worked her magic, and she did. And all of you that joined the IG Live yesterday were like, girl, that match was crazy, which I completely agree. And, you know, takes out Kyrgios, who is resurgent, and we're so happy to see it. But, like, those three matches for Yannick, I thought, are going to give him the confidence to take him all the way to the final, if not to the title. But Yannick... Work on those blisters. I mean, I don't know how you heal blisters. Do you put a bandage on them or whatever? I'm not sure. But good play. Take that energy and ride that all the way into your next tournament. The other player that I want to talk about, obviously my boyfriend, uh, Carlos Alcaraz Garfia. Jason and I had this discussion of like, is he Carlos Alcaraz or is he Carlos Alcaraz Garfia? And... Jason said to me, if he wanted to be known as Carlos Alcaraz Garfia, then he would just have that on his ATP profile. But when you're on the Google, it's giving you like full Spanish realness, like three names, Pab uh, Pablo Carino Busta, um, Roberto Bautista Agut, Carlos Alcaraz Garfia. So we're going to call him Carlos Al Alcaraz Garfia. Anyway, let me slow it down for a second because I'm just so excited about this new relationship. 
your boy Carlos, my boy Carlos, I knew there was something special in him last year when I posted that he was going to be the future of men's tennis. And a lot of you posted and replied in that IG stagnant wall post, girl, it's a little too early. Like, give him a couple of years. You know, we see it, but Rafael Nadal is still the king of clay. He still is holding the crown as, like, you know, the top Spanish player. What do you think about me now? I mean, Carlos is doing a lot in the very short amount of time since last year's post, and I just think he's on that Yannick Sinner trajectory. Even further, to be honest, because in his taking out of Pass, Andy Roddick called this guy, like, crazy. I'm paraphrasing here, but like he basically is so astounded with the amount of talent this teenager has that really the sky is the limit for him. I mean, in his match against Fuskovich, that is still a name that's difficult for me to pronounce, Chilich, he takes out former US Open champion. Um, he takes out Pass. Like this kid can do wonders and he is definitely one of my men to watch for 2022. The other man that I think is worth mentioning is the number one seed. I mean, how could we not do a review of the men's draw without talking about Daniil Medvedev? And clearly he's going through a lot. He just lost the number one ranking to Djokovic after Djokovic literally did not hit one ball. And, you know, he's obviously going through a lot. One can assume in terms of his um, situation, in terms of the whole Russia Ukraine war and having to be asked millions of times what his stance is, you know, the the potential of him having to prove to Wimbledon that he has no ties to Putin. There's clearly a lot on Medvedev's mind, but he's making very good work through the draw. I mean, he dispatched Andy Murray, even though Andy Murray's still kind of finding his form again in the game, takes out Martinez and a very, very tricky Jensen Brooksby in all straightforward matchups. So I truly believe that this is a good situation for your boy, Daniil, Jason's boy, Daniil, actually, for him to kind of fly under the radar and like suddenly find himself in the final and have the chance to contest for another Masters Series 1000. Can I just ask one last question to close this show? Why, why, why? (laughs) Why? Why are there so many men on the ATP tour who are so angry? It seems to me in the past month, month and a half, that a lot of media scrutiny has been put on male players behaving badly, displaying signs of racket abuse, ball abuse, that they kind of seem to be getting away with. Right? Like, we're obviously going to talk about Zverev in this segment, but let's just do a quick throwback, a more recent throwback to Jensen Brooksby's second round match in Miami against Korea. Now, let me set the stage. It's hot as hell. They're in Miami. Jensen Brooksby's getting really frustrated. He's actually up 4 1 in the third set, loses a point, and he throws his racket in disgust. The racket skids all the way to the back kind of tarp and makes contact with the ball boy. Now, if you want to use the word hit, does it hit the ball boy? Yes. Does it hit the ball boy hard? I mean, I saw that replay on video and 
clearly it didn't hit the ball boy hard, but it still makes contact. And as we all know, based on what happened with Novak Djokovic two years ago at the U.S. Open, he clearly, Djokovic, did not have the intention of uh, injuring or hurting that lineswoman. But, you know, the effect of him hitting the ball and then hitting her throat got him automatically disqualified from the U.S. Open. So, you know, should that have been the case here in the Jensen Brooksby situation? Renee Stubbs seems to think yes. She said, you know, Renee not being one to shy away from sharing her opinion. She was like, listen, Djokovic did that two years ago. It's pretty much the same, the exact same situation. Jensen Brooksby should have been disqualified from his match. Coria, his opponent, also said in his post-match post-match press conference that, you know, even though he didn't have the intention of hitting the ball boy, he did make contact and he should have been disqualified. And he kind of also goes on to say that if it were him, if it were a Latin player that had done the same thing, that he would have have suffered a more severe penalty. Now, we're not going to get into all of that, but again, an interesting perspective and an interesting take. For the record, Jensen Brooksby um, has said, quote, I am truly sorry for my actions out there today. I will learn from this and continue to grow on and off the court. Thanks to the fans for the support out there today. See you Saturday. End quote. My reaction? Girl, bye. I mean, how many times have we seen a player share a... I mean, I don't want to take it away from him, but it seems like a pseudo-apology for his, you know, poor behavior like that in the past six months. I mean, we heard it from Zverev, and Zverev obviously was engaged in a more serious situation where in his doubles match in Acapulco, he literally took his racket and was like bashing the umpire's box right below the umpire's feet. So I don't know. Is there some toxic masculinity that these men are getting away with on the ATP tour? Should there be more severe fines, penalties, disqualifications that these men have to experience in order for them to learn their lesson? Girl, that's up for debate. But needless to say, Brooksby was fined $15,000. And listen, even though he's an up-and-coming player, at this point, making like a third round of a Masters 1000 series title, that's literally like three minutes of work on the court. That's literally like, I don't know, one forehand that he hit that he hits in one match. So, verdicts out. I'd like all of you to share your opinions if you care to do so. Do you think that the men behaving badly should have more severe ramifications than have currently been witnessed? Let us know. And that was your mid-tourney Miami Masters review brought to you by yours truly. I hope I entertained you. I absolutely tried my best. Jay, I know you're living your fullest life over there in Venice, but girl, get your ass back here so that we can return to our regularly scheduled programming. And babe, Carlos, yeah, can't you see I'm literally almost done? Uh, Listen, I know you said you were hungry like eight hours ago, but I'm finishing up, I promise. No, I don't want hot dogs for dinner. We're in Miami. Babe, my fit is on fire. Let's go out. Okay, okay. Hey guys, sorry. Gotta go. Um, got a really cute date tonight. And uh, 
If you can, and if you remember, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and everything like such as. See you next week. Bye! We're here for your tennis-tainment, or your tentertainment, or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review. And like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing! Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.